We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithane.org.au. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be here and uh, be able to preach and share with you another thought that God has placed on my mind as we go through this series called Culture. Who are we? What's our aroma? What's the smell that comes through the floorboards? Because every place has an aroma. What's ours here at LifePoint? When you read through the Old Testament, you read stories of the Israelites again and again and again, where they look back in order to move forward. They look back in the past at what God did in order they might tackle and have the courage and the faith to walk into the future to what he might have for them. And let's be honest, when you read through the Old Testament, there's some pretty tough stuff that God had for Israel to do. Some dreams that God wanted to fulfill through Israel that they just couldn't pull off by themselves. There was that time where Israel was going to be called out of Egypt into the promised land, uh, greater, more beautiful, more amazing than anything they could have ever imagined. Remember, Israel was in uh, captivity in Egypt for 400 years, generation after generation after generation. You imagine 400 years ago, 200 years back into England before Australia had uh, us here, uh, as in yeah, I don't have to be politically correct on that, so I'm just going to just go with me on that one. Before the convicts came to Australia, 400 years ago, they would have had no idea what's happening now, and we would have had no idea what was happening back then. Well, it's the same with Egypt, uh, with Israelites in Egypt, 400 years. They would have had no idea what the culture was 400 years ago. So they're coming out of Egypt into the promised land that God's calling to them. And before they go into the promised land, they've got a whole bunch of nations that they've got to drive out of the promised land in order to take hold of it. And some of them are pretty massive. Some of them are ferocious enemies. And so to pep talk them, God says this to Israel in Deuteronomy. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How? How can we drive them out? But don't be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. First thing God does before he calls them to do something that's going to require faith and courage is he reminds them of what he's already done. He pulls out the resume and he says, look here, look what I've already done. Can you do that? Can you do this? Can you do the plagues? Can you do all that stuff I've done back then? Like, I've already done it. Trust me for the next steps. I wonder... I wonder how much elbow room you and I give God to do the signs and wonders that gives us faith for the next step. I wonder if our culture here and the culture in your world is that you want God to show up in ways that blow your mind, that you give him enough elbow room that he could even surprise you. Bigger things than you could orchestrate or control yourself. I mean, in our world, we work so hard to control our environments, 
that we leave little room for God's stories to bubble to the surface. We like to increase pleasure and decrease pain. And so everything we do is around manipulating and controlling that ends. But what do you think would happen if you let go of the reins for a moment? And instead of controlling, instead of determining for yourself exactly what the outcome's going to be, the result that you want, we decide to leave God some elbow rooms for those signs and wonders. To create stories like Israel had in the past that we could remember and give us the courage for the future. Amazing stories of provision and guidance and power and sustenance, of healing, of generosity, of changed lives, of kingdom building. What would happen if we dreamed big and then left and then lived lives of faith where God could do even more? What if Ephesians 3.20 is true? Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us to him be glory. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. I think when we dream we often dream within the constraints of our abilities and our resources. What's logical? What's reasonable? And when we dream like that, what it really does is it gives us some sense of confidence that if God doesn't pull it off, then we can. That we might just have a chance to make it happen with or without God. I think as stories through uh, like Israel leaving Egypt and coming to the Red Sea. Now Israel could run and run and run from the Egyptians as long as there was a runway to run down. Within their own ability and their own strength, they could just keep on running. But as soon as they got to the Red Sea, suddenly they'd come to the end of their runway. They'd come to the end of their abilities, the end of their capacity, the end of their ideas, and what Israel wanted to do is take back control. Be far better if we just went back to Egypt. It's what we know. We can make that happen. Can't get through here, but we can do that. We might as well go back. We like to take back control. Or in 1 Samuel, when God tells King Saul to go and wipe out the Amalekites, everything, everything, like gruesome everything, including the camels, the goats, the sheep, the cattle, everything. Nothing was to be left alive. Saul, though, thought it was a great idea to keep the healthy animals, the healthy cattle and sheep and goats, because he could use those for sacrifices. Please God. So here's Saul looking at all these thousands of animals and thinking, well, that's a bit of a waste. Maybe God hasn't thought that one through. I've got a far better idea. I'm going to bring this home with me. Maybe he thought that God wouldn't provide for them. 
Maybe he thought as king that they were looking down the track and they were getting a bit low on the sacrificial cattle. Maybe he didn't trust that God was going to pull through. So he takes back control. I know what to do. I'll bring them back. And obviously God wasn't that happy with it. It's like Israel had these filters on that limited God to their ability. God's capacity to their capacity. God's generosity to their generosity. God's control to their control. It's like Israel lived with this boundary fence. If you imagine a rectangle boundary fence, and in the middle of the boundary fence, Israel lived day-to-day normal life. But on the edges of the boundary fence, that's where the dreams come true. As you push out on the edges of the boundary fence, that's where you need the courage in order to fulfill the dreams. That's where you need to find the tenacity and the strength to push through to fulfill the dreams that are in your heart. It's interesting, though, that I think that Israel kept on forgetting that here is where their dreams end, but here is where God's dreams begin. Here there is more But here, if they're able to push through, if they're able to lay down the reins of their own dreams and push through the boundary fence, there's the immeasurably more. I love that word that Paul uses, immeasurably more. If you're a Greek nerd, it's a superlative. And a superlative is only used three times in the Bible, and it means things like this. Super abundantly, beyond measure, quite beyond all measure, over and above, more than enough, an extraordinary degree, I love this one, an inconsiderable excess of of what one might expect and then some. That is immeasurably more. That's where the signs and wonders happen. That's where the unexplainable happens. That's where the miracles happen. This is where the immeasurably more happen. This is where church communities like ours want to live. All of us can live here. Because it's this boundary fence is the limit of our capacity. Maybe a touch more. This boundary fence and these dreams are, like Israel, the limit of what we think is possible, right here. And when we're able to find the courage to help fulfill these dreams, we pat ourselves on the back and go, we did it. Yet when I read God in the Bible, I see a God who woos his people beyond the found boundary fence. He woos his people into the place of the immeasurably more. Because in the immeasurably more, that's where lives are changed that we never thought could change. It's where there's restoration of relationships that we thought could never be restored. It's where people listen to the whispers of the spirit into faith steps that everyone else thinks is ludicrous. It's where people bet the family farm on ideas and God dreams 
that back here seems so small. Living life in the zone of the immeasurably more is not for the faint-hearted. It's not for those lacking courage. And that's why there's an encouragement. According to his power that is at work within us. When faced with the opportunity to dream in the immeasurably more zone, do you ever balk at the fence because you think in the natural that you're not enough? God, I can't go there because I'm not enough. Do you balk at the boundary fence because you look at the immeasurably more and think, we haven't got enough? Do you ever balk at the boundary fence and think, I haven't got the experience. I'm not old enough. I haven't got the education or training. We're not enough. She's not enough. He's not enough. I can't go there. I can't go into the immeasurable more. We're not enough. I remember feeling that very thing when I sat over there in that section of the auditorium about six years ago. The church that I had planted online had finished up. So already I was wrestling with my sense of ability to lead and lead well. I'd been cleaning toilets for the last year and a half to help make ends meet for the family. And I sat over those chairs watching Phil preach and Anna lead worship. I had this prompting by the Spirit that maybe I had something to offer here. That maybe LifePoint had an opportunity for me. But to be honest, from where I was standing, it felt like it was in the immeasurably more. There was plenty right here where I was saying to God, there's not enough. I remember having coffee with Phil uh, not too long after that as I followed the Spirit's prompting. And it's true, there wasn't enough. There wasn't any money, there wasn't any job, there wasn't any position. There wasn't enough. I remember standing at the feet at the fence going, I may have heard you wrong, God, because there's not enough for the immeasurably more. I remember being in our industrial kitchen there before I had any opportunity to work here. And Phil had graciously given me a half day's work cleaning the kitchen because the council came in and said, you need to do something about this. So I'm in the kitchen there, cleaning the ceiling with all the grime that's getting off the ceiling. And I can't tell you how far away I felt from the immeasurably more. And I remember thinking to God, God, to be honest, if this is your immeasurably more, you know what you can do with your immeasurably more. But isn't that the challenge of the immeasurably more fence? God, I don't know how you're going to do it. God, I don't know how you're going to pull that off. God, I can't even see what it is. I can't even imagine what it is. I don't know the steps to get there. I don't know how you, I don't know how you're going to make the pathway to the immeasurably more. In 2 Kings, there's a story of Elisha. And like all of Israel at the time, they were smack bang in the middle of a famine. Food was scarce. But Elisha and his servant received 20 small barley loaves. And Elisha felt prompted by the Spirit 
to help feed another hundred men that he had become aware of. Now, 20 small barley loaves won't go very far amongst 100 men. And Elisha's servant came to Elisha and said, well, you better think that over. Like, if you give this stuff away, what are we going to eat? We're in the middle of a famine. Like, we're not going to get a full tummy tonight, let alone have some in stores for the coming days. Are you sure you want to give it away? And Elisha said, yes, I think we need to give it away. And so Elisha steps from here to here by laying down the barley loaves. He has no idea what the immeasurably more is going to look like. He has no idea what God's going to do with the barley loaves. He has got no vision from God that it's going to turn out all right at the end. All he's got here at the boundary fence is a prompting by the Spirit to give the barley loaves away and leave the immeasurably more up to him. And sure enough, the barley loaves feeds the hundred and there's left over. Does it remind you of a story in the New Testament about a little boy with a couple of loaves and some fish? And there's 10,000 people on the side of the hill and Jesus says, hey, oh, the disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, we should send them home. It's dinner time. They're all hungry. Makes sense. Let's send them home. And Jesus says, let's step into the immeasurably more. The disciples say, we can't. This is all we got. We don't know how that's going to happen. We can't see the way forward. We're going to stay here. And Jesus says, all right, let me show you how the immeasurably more works. Pulls out the loaves and the fish, passes it around, and there's bucket loads of food left over because that's how the immeasurably more works. It works in the power of God. It works in his wisdom. It works in his time. It works in his sight. But you don't get there unless you lay it down. Because everything in us wants to hold on. We want to hold on to this dream right here. Because it looks so good. But we miss out on the signs and wonders. We miss out on what God might, I'm losing myself here, on what God might have to offer beyond that. And when we balk at the immeasurably more fence, that's when we need to go back to the original verse in Deuteronomy 7. Do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did. When has he shown up in the past? When did he reveal himself in the past? When did he do a miracle in the past? When did he blow your socks off in the past? When did you hear a rumor about his movement in the past? When did you witness something that God did that was immeasurably more in the past? Use that to give you the courage you need to push through the fence of your own dreams. Don't limit God by your own dreams. Don't limit God by your own fence that you put up around your own life. Push through by remembering in the past. The kind of faith that pushes through into the immeasurably more is the kind of faith that says, I've only got five loaves, but it's enough for you. I've only just got me, but I'm available. It's enough for you. There's a chance it could fail if not for you. So I'll step into it. That's the immeasurably more. And kingdom stuff gets done in a community when we dream like that. The gates of hell don't prevail when we dream like that. Seismic shifts happen in communities when we dream like that. People are attracted when there's an aroma coming through the floorboards like that. Let me end with a reminder. To him be glory in the church. Everything points to him. 
Everything points to him. It's immeasurably more because he did it. It's immeasurably more because he pulled it off. It's immeasurably more because we reached the end of us and the beginning of him. Without him, there is no immeasurably more. And what happens when we point to him and we blame him for the immeasurably more, people who are far from God and who experience the immeasurably more or witness the immeasurably more or hear about the immeasurably more are drawn to the one who does the immeasurably more. And they begin to believe that if he can do immeasurably more there, then maybe he can do immeasurably more here. Maybe he can fix those relationships I'm in that are broken. Maybe he can bring the resources that we need to keep going. Maybe he can bring hope in this situation where I don't feel like I've got any hope. Maybe he can do something about that situation. Maybe he can. If he can do it for them, maybe he can do it for me. And some of you are sitting here today because you saw the God of the immeasurably more do something that blew your socks off. And some of you are online, I know because I've heard your stories, are sitting watching online because you've witnessed firsthand the immeasurably more. And it drew you toward Him. You didn't understand Him. You didn't know how He was going to do it. But the Spirit was working in you to draw you toward the God of the immeasurably more. When we get out of the way, we blame God for the immeasurably more and point the finger at Him, lives get changed. Lives are transformed. And at life point, we're passionate about changing lives. So, my question, which side of the immeasurably more fence do you want to live? Which side of the immeasurably more fence do we as a church community want to live and breathe? I can tell you this. Our heart, our culture is here. Because when you live here, you change the world. And only he can do that, right? So Father, I want to pray for us who are grappling with the idea that you can do immeasurably more. We're so used to putting you in a box that says, this far and no further. Within the confines of what I think is reasonable, I pray that you blow that out of us. I pray that as you give us wisdom, you give us integrity. You give us insight and discernment. I pray that you give us as a whole, a group of people, a community, the courage to bust through that fence into the immeasurably more in our own personal lives, but as a church as well. May we never think that those renovations are impossible. May we never believe that that person in our world is impossible that they might come to you. May we never believe that that family can't be restored. May we never believe that that person can't be healed. 
Maybe we never believed that you can't resource, you can't heal a brokenhearted, or you can't release the addicted. Holy Spirit, help us live in the immeasurably more so that you gain the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.